Hello, hello. Welcome to Tuckered Out with me, Ami Tucker. too much fun with my guest today and you know as always I feel like we became instant friends and I can totally see why she is so good at what she does. Aiza Fatima is an actress and writer from New York City by way of Mississippi. She has appeared on numerous television shows and films and is the lead actor, writer, and producer of Americanish, a story that follows three young Pakistani American women as they navigate their lives, love, and careers. A lot of this story was actually personal to Aiza, and we talk about it all. We also talk about Dirty Packy Lingerie, which is her critically acclaimed comedy one-woman play, and we also discuss how Muslim girls are DTF. You know, dismantling Islamophobia one dick joke at a time. We had a blast talking, and I really hope you guys enjoy my interview with Aiza Fatima. Let's start off with Americanish. So, congrats on all of it. I know, not recently, but I think probably in January, you guys announced a Sony acquired you guys. Um, you yes. are the lead actor, writer, producer. Talk about the film. Uh, how did it all come together? It's so funny. So I was, I, I've also tried many different industries over the years. I, I used to, I went to school for microbiology and then worked in tech for a little bit. And when I was working at Google, I kind of was really disenchanted I, and I knew I didn't want that path at all. And I knew I wanted to act, but I didn't quite know it could be a career option, really. I really didn't know. Weird, because I was also living in New York at the time. But just, you know, it's like, if you don't see it, you don't know how to do it, how to be it. So I, for fun, just started taking these classes. I took a class at NYU. That led to me then studying privately with the guy in his studio. And eventually, I ended up at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts, which was a two-year conservatory in the evenings at the time. This was in 2009, 2010. Yep. Yeah, and so I kind of did that. And then I graduated. I was still working in Google. And I was like, I'll just take a class for fun. And I took a writing class that was a solo show writing class. And in that class, I developed these monologues that became my one-woman show, Dirty Packy Lingerie. Mm-hmm. And that show, I was performing it in New York City at the Cherry Lane Theater in 2009. 13. It was first performed in 2011. And then 2013, I had just come back from the Edinburgh Fringe. And I was performing it there. And by that time, I had left Google. And there was a filmmaker in the audience, who uh, Iman Zawari, uh, who happened to be there that night. She just was walking around in the, the that neighborhood where the Cherry Lane Theater is and saw a poster and was like, oh, I want to go see that show. And it was her birthday weekend. So she was there with like uh, her friends, this loud little group of mostly Arab women. <laughs> and they were very loud. They were sitting in the front row. And every time something scandalous would happen, on, they'd be like, oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> oh, yes, girl, go on. They were so, Love I think it. they were wonderful. It wasn't her, it was her friends. <laughs> <laughs> 
I just I just remember I clocked them. And so after she approached me, she came up to me and she was just like, hey, do you ever uh, think about turning this into a film? And I was just like, you know, I am. I am because I had just come back from Edinburgh in this theater. And I feel like in Europe, especially England, people believe in things like theater and words and reading. And I think I think in America, we believe in like music and movies and, you know, that kind of that sets the entertainment. Yeah. Entertainment, yeah, in that way, not theatrical entertainment, not that kind of theater, right? So I was thinking about how to kind of expand what I was doing and how to reach more people with what I was doing. And I realized that was going to have to be filmed at that time. Because even in 2013, TV hadn't become the thing it has become now. Right. Because now I would say it would be TV, you know? And yeah, so we kind of went on this journey and it took us a very long time. The film is made completely outside of the studio systems. It's all independently funded. So we were just like for years pitching, getting turned down, mostly by men, <laughs> you know, and, and it never happens. It never happens, right? And then eventually we did. We had we had a lot of uh, women supporters who funded it and also men in the end who actually came and brought us to the finish line. So our investors are a mix now. But uh, but yeah, that's sort of been the journey. And then I know uh, Sony International bought it and we just made the announcement right before Sundance in January. Amazing. So I know the base of the story, two sisters, a cousin, uh, I believe Jackson Heights and kind of na- yes. navigating life, right? Love, careers, blah, 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 all that stuff. So how personal is it to you? How much of the story is about maybe you or your family? So I didn't grow up in New York. I grew up in Mississippi. But I think this community it, in Jackson Heights, it's very close to my heart because when I first moved here, I spent a lot of time there. I uh, befriended a group of people who used to live there. So I would be like there all the time. Every week I was there. Right hanging out with them. And I kind of got to know that community. And so the the characters in the film come from characters from Dirty Packy Lingerie. And those are actually based on interviews okay. I conducted with the community here. Yeah, but I think it's interesting too, because as a writer, there are always pieces of yourself that you're putting into these characters, you know? So it is these two sisters and it's their cousin. And I think it's when you watch it, it's like everybody's always like, yeah, I have a cousin just like that. You know, so the girl, she comes over and she her biggest goal in life is she wants to marry a doctor. Mm-hmm. And we, all, we know, we know we a few of those people. <laughs> we know, we know. Uh-huh. So, yeah, so that. And then the, with the two sisters, I feel like for sure at like, you know, the younger sister at one point, that was definitely me as I was 21 and trying to figure out my life. And then I have an older sister so it's like a lot of those kinds of ideas are definitely based off of, of course, personal experiences, right. because that's the only place we can ever write from. Right. And I love this. And what's the response been? Because, you know, with the Muslim community, with any of our South Asian communities, there's always, there's positive and there's backlash, right? Has there been backlash maybe from the older generation or, or has it been generally like love? Yeah, it's a great question. The, the response has been really awesome for the most part. Yeah. But <laughs> there's this one instance that always like comes into my mind. And there was a, and it was an older person and also American and also Muslim. She um in, in her 50s grew up in America and I believe is a, of Iraqi descent if I remember okay. correctly. She was, we were at a Q&A, it was in Ohio, it was all Muslims, okay? All, it was weird, because it was hijabis, and sometimes it can be very conservative, families were not into the arts and stuff, so, so it was like all like 200 seats, Muslims primarily, 
Um, and, you know, and there was an uncle who stood up and he was just like, you know, thank you for showing us this. This showed us a lot of things our younger generations are dealing with and we don't talk about. And, you know, our daughters have shown us the way and we are now very like we're we're, we're more open minded about things. Yeah, this uncle came in. So there was that. Yes. Claps. claps, uncle. claps. Then there was this lady. She stands up and she starts yelling at us. And she's like, what are we saying? Are we saying that Muslim women sleep around and are in bed with men? And then she just like dropped the mic and left. Wow. You know what? I don't know. Maybe I don't know what your thoughts are on this, but it it it's weird how sometimes it tends to be our women, Indian, Muslim, whoever, that are more conservative. We internalize that misogyny and we love to perpetuate it. Yeah. We really we just do. Yeah. We do. I, I, I see that a lot too. Right? Because we're like, we're holding on to this, our own shit. It's obviously reflective of stuff that's bugging us as, 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 as women of color and brown women. So I'm not actually surprised that it's an auntie that did that because she's probably holding on to a lot of shit. Right. Yeah, I don't know. It is really interesting. That is like the one time I feel like something like that has happened. For the most part, honestly, it's been like nothing but love from every, every place. We had a screening in New York and there was an auntie. She came up to me afterwards and she was so sweet. She was like, must be my mom's age, that lady. She was like, you know, it was so nice to see. It was so heartwarming, honestly. She was like my character because it's the older sister. And she goes, she goes, you know, my older sister was very unconventional and she struggled a lot within the society at large and her own home life. And she was just like, it was so nice to see that. It's just like, you know, and it, it, she was just like, it's, and it's not her. It was everyone around her, you know? Yeah. And so I was like, that was really sweet. So a lot of aunties, very supportive, but, but you asked me for the backlash. I was like, that was the one time I was so sure. And that was one of our, that was our first in-person screening too. Right. I was like, oh, shit what's going to happen now <laughs> but then it never happened again well, that's that. pretty that's pretty amazing look i think as brown creatives i think all of us worry a little bit about it just because it's kind of in our dna and for someone like me who does a podcast i obviously get a little less i'm a little less visible right um i, I don't think a lot of aunties and uncles know how to download a podcast so that works <laughs> but for you you know, you are you're out there you're visible um a lot of our communities are conservative and so I've even, me, I've even gotten emails from people around the world saying, you know, it's too much or it's too this, it's too that, I'm too much. And I'm like, yeah, guess what? I've been, I've been too much my whole life. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, thank you so much for telling me that. I was like, my parents are good. My husband and kids are good. That's all I need. I'm good to go. So I can imagine someone like you who's making a film and not to sound cliche, breaking stereotypes, right, uh, of Muslim women, I can imagine you must be getting some. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, over the course of my career, I've definitely gotten all the things. Right. I've gotten the hate mail. I've gotten the trolling on Twitter. I've gotten death threats on Facebook. <laughs> you know what, though? Said, that's when you know you're doing something right. Because, I mean, because <laughs> every, if everyone loves you, then are you really, you know, creating impactful yeah. content? I don't know. Yeah. So my next question is, and I was trying to, like, troll your Instagram and figure this out. Where can we watch this? How can we support the film? Yes. Okay. So now it's with Sony. I okay. no longer own it. Okay. I own it. And they're going to uh, put it out this year. As, so it will be announced as soon as we are able to share more. De- so keep watching that Instagram. Okay, good. <laughs> no, I was making, I was like, did I miss this premiere? Like what's happening? 
I know you're showing it. You're showing it in some places right now, right? Or Sonia, sorry. Yeah. So we've been doing a festival circuit, and that's been on. So we did like I don't know, fifty festivals, and we had like you know a great run, and we did so many in-person screenings. We the films won like twenty six awards now, and uh, yeah. So it's been an amazing run. It's been showing, but now it is we are done. So now it's with Sony. Yeah, you're like brushing off your shoulders now. You're like, I did. Yes, I'm like, yes, done. All right. As soon as they announce the date, everybody can go watch it. And, and I'll share is, is this your first feature film? It's the first one, yeah, that okay. I've written. That you've written. All of the above, yeah. Okay. And yeah. then tell me a little bit about the cast. Oh, my goodness. We were so lucky. We have an amazing, amazing cast. Well, first of all, you know, uh, Lilith Debay plays my mom. She's amazing. This like powerhouse actor and right. so generous and kind and awesome. Um, and then Selena Qureshi plays my younger sister. Um, uh, so she, you know, she was on that Netflix show, The Society, and she's doing a bunch of things right now. Yeah. She was too... Yeah, she's amazing. Um, and then, of course, Ajay Naidu, who is as we all know OG and then like and OG. Yeah, an OG and I love him and you know we're both in New York and and I never met him before he came on our sets and he's amazing yeah uh, lovely Moa mirrors in it uh Kapil uh Tullwalker is in it he's doing all this he's like on Night Court right now he's a series oh, regular then he was on another NBC show um and then oh my god so many so many I people know. did I already we have an amazing and then of course david rashi who is a veteran of like you know from the 80s and the 90s right. everybody knows him can i just tell you i'm getting confused because i feel like so many of us are everywhere it's kind of i mean it's great it's great, it's great. i know i'm like losing track now i know i know there's so many and then uh george went is in it okay. um uh you know so yeah it's just the cast was amazing. Is, we were so, uh, we uh, what's her name? Uh, Pooja Bedi? Is she? Do you know <gasps> oh my gosh, uh, Purva Bedi is in it. Okay, so yeah, and so many of my friends from New York are. That's in amazing it. Like, that now. you gathered all these amazing people. All, all these amazing. I mean, a lot of them. Vinny Anand is in it, who is also just a New York actor. I mean, there's so many just like of my actor friends just showed up and lent themselves for a few hours or a day or whatever you know and like filled out a lot of the right. parts in it but yeah it was just well it was just an amazing that's a kudos to you my friend for for all these people coming out so so you should take some credit for that quick uh a two two minute story about purva and uh naidu purva i met on a set in 2001 i was a pa for calpen and uh lisa ray they were it was a very i don't know what happened in the film Initially, it was called The Arrangement, and then they changed it to Ball and Chain. So, like, old school, like, American Desi days. Um, oh, I remember. Yeah, I think I know this film. I don't know if I've ever seen this film, but it, this rings a bell. Yeah. yeah. Was in, I was in Austin at, at UT, and I ended up working on the set and, and hung out with, with those guys for six months. Um, it was at, being filmed in Austin? It was filmed in Austin, yeah. It was filmed in Austin. And then Naidu I met when he was filming Office Space, because that was also – while I was at UT Austin, um, and and I'm pretty sure I had dance off with him, tried to at least. And did you you worked on that as well? I didn't work on that. I just we just knew where he was filming, and then a bunch of us went out with him one night, and he can dance, and I used to be able to kind of dance, and yeah, that, that, <laughs> that, that was my that was my four minutes of of interaction with him. 
But you're pretty I sure he kicked it. ass on that one. Um, wow. I'm going to have to ask him about this dance off. I don't right. know. This is 98, 97. So let's see. Just tell him to come on the podcast and we can make it happen again. Not not breakdancing. My back will. <laughs> we will keep watching your Instagram to figure out, to understand when it's going to be played. Obviously, you mentioned dirty, packy lingerie. So one thing, can I tell you something, Isa? Like, tell me. <laughs> saying the word packy to me feels uncomfortable because it feels oh my gosh you know that's so funny because you know i mean in the u.s it doesn't mean anything in the uk it's uh it's like the n-word it's like the n-word you know, isn't it it feels the n-word but i i kind of knew that okay. in the back of my mind like for you know okay look also this is like we're talking 2010 when i was writing this right and it's like i wasn't in the industry at all at the time i was working at google right you know this was just a thing I was doing right right literally I, like I was writing it in my living room no one ever saw it and I was just like oh what and I remember I was studying with this guy uh, Matt Hoverman yep it was amazing he teaches social writing and also has won multiple Emmys for his work he does as a writer at Disney um for their uh children's shows um, okay and so so he was like, you know, he has this whole class. And then at the end of the class, he's like, okay, you know, as you think of your titles, think of like, you ha you're going to be doing French festivals. How are you going to stand out in the sea of stuff? So come up with something catchy. And I was like, okay, let me think of something catchy. And then I just come, came up with it. And in the back of my mind at the time, I thought I was like, oh yeah, I kind of know this word packy doesn't mean something good, like in Europe, but I was like, I don't live in Europe. I'm never going there. True. Like, I live here. It's not a big deal. So for me, it was just like a catchy way to shorten Pakistani. Seriously, was like the only intention I had. And then it's like the show kind of took off. Yeah. And then I'm doing so many tours in Europe. And this is all they want to talk about as they're writing about the show. I think my largest tour ever I've done with the show was in uh, the UK. It was 15 cities. It was in 2016. And that's all. And we had to like, we got in so much controversy where people actually asked. There was a producer on board an external producer who they asked to change the name and he agreed and didn't even tell me and I was so pissed and signed contracts and then like later it I found out about it I was like what you just changed the title of my show to what telling me to Pakistan because uh, yeah. they're like well you're not trying to be controversial that way are you and I was like well I know that was never the intention but I do think as you take art out to different communities and what it means to them, we should be able to use that to have a conversation around right. it. So I was like, if this means something different here, let's talk, let's use this to talk, talk about, about it. it. Or, you know, so yeah, so that was like a weird little, so some yeah. cities. And I, I mean, by the way, I'm obviously Indian American. I think it's because I have, you know, lots of friends in the UK. So I, I just, I know for them, it's like so triggering and so deep rooted. And so like when I, when I saw that, I was like, that's interesting. I know you're Indian, you know, you're American as well. And so I was like, oh, sorry, is your family from India or Pakistan? Yeah. So my dad was born in India. Okay. My mom was born in Kashmir, but both of their families migrated to Pakistan. Okay. Got it. So yeah, it's not like triggering for us per se. It's just- We're aware. We, we're know. Aware. we know some things. Right. So like yeah, I would yeah, never yeah, say yeah. it even over here just to be like- extra, you know, respectful or whatever. Um, mm. But kudos to you for for calling, naming it what you thought was right. And this blew up. You did, you did, I mean, it was critically acclaimed. The, I don't know, Wall Street Journal wrote about it. It did. It really blew up. And it kind of gave me, it, that was the thing that gave me an entry into the world, like that I am in right now right. full time, right? 
before this, I just really didn't know. I was like, I don't know. How do you make a career out of it? So when it started taking off and I actually started getting paid for it, I was like, oh, this can be my day job. So I literally turned it into a day job. <laughs> so I started touring it. I just so a lot of I've done a lot of tours here in the U.S. as well, mostly on college campuses. Okay, and then yeah, but then of course abroad for some reason it just did so much better. There were and there's also it's not that it did better. It's like this, right? There's actually a mechanism in place in Europe and especially in the U.K. Right for individuals artists to tour their shows okay they're here in the u.s there's no real mechanism right like you have to be you know you have to be like spongebob the musical in order to tour right in the u.s right right you know i yeah outside of that it gets very tricky there's not a full like thing in place in to place make that or yeah or you know the coast you know you get you get some traction on the coast here um but when it comes to the rest of the states it's it, it yeah, probably becomes trickier true. right yeah, there's no way. Like in the in the UK, it was literally like uh, it started off with like me just picking up the phone and calling up a. And it's so funny, you know how I think in the US we think the British accent is so hot, and so it was so funny. Like when I would call people, they'd be like, "Oh my god, like are you American?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'm American." <laughs> they think our accent is so hot. I'm like, "What is this, uh, dude?" No, <laughs> I would get so many people would be like, "You sound like you're from Hollywood." <laughs> Like what? Yeah, let's start. Let's start a new accent called Hollywood accent. Let's do that. It's called Hollywood. This is it. This is Hollywood. I I loved it. So so they would just like be willing to talk to you. That's amazing. Yeah, and then they just book the show because your (laughs) accent. It's probably kind of like mine, where like I I grew up in Texas, but it's kind of like neutralized because I've left for so long. It's like a neutral accent, right? Like I'll say y'all sometimes. I have a little bit, but. I used to play it a lot. Yeah. And then I moved to New York and I was like, I got to stop that. Because yeah. it really stands out here. People would literally stop and be like, what? Yeah. Where are you from? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oops. You, you don't want to get bumped uh, into on, on, the, on the street there for sure. <laughs> do you find, and I have, I feel like I want to do a whole other podcast on, you know, Indian and Pakistanis in the US versus the UK. Uh, I find it so fascinating oh, because there's, our stories are say are are the same in so many ways, but we're so different, right? And in, in the way yeah. we view our culture, you know, they've been there longer, generation wise. Yeah. What have you found with Muslims from the U.S. and the U.K. Like the biggest difference? Yeah, I think just just looking at the Pakistani communities, I think it's really fascinating. Like who migrated to the U.K.? They did migrate much earlier, but who migrated? It was very much working class. Yeah, like. He's like only right, you know. Whereas in the U.S., it was a, it was a lot of the doctors right. and the engineers. I don't know why, right? And so there's like a big diff. And then here's other difference. So if they migrated the to the U.K., the big migrations happened whenever in the '60s and the '70s. Those people are kind of stuck with the '60s and '70s, some kind of weird backward, mm-hmm. right? And so here happened in the 80s and the 90s I feel like so then our parents are stuck with the 80s and the 90s a little bit more progressive mentality right right we get stuck in this idea of and it's so funny because I think Pakistan and India have, have progressed so much more than the diaspora in so many oh for sure remember, we're holding on to it like our parents are holding yeah. on to it so some craziness that doesn't yeah. even exist so I remember when I was a teenager there was this girl that I met from Pakistan and she came to visit or something. And she was just like, so like how many boyfriends do you have? And I was like, what? <laughs> no, I'm not allowed to date. She's like, what? Like what? We, everyone has a boyfriend. She's like, you. Like, yeah, no, she was like, you, you backwards village girl. Like what? <laughs> You're not allowed to date. 
literally so yeah. i think it, that's so interesting so i think there's those kinds of differences between the uk and the us kind of pakistani populations that migrate right totally and i think that's the same for most of south asian populations it feels like that's so funny. you're good it's going to be your one woman play get it I'm done i'm down let's do it let's do it i can i can well I'll let you lead. I'll just, you know, I'll be the podcaster <laughs> behind you. I love it. So any more, like, is this show going to come back at all? Like maybe to Dallas? <laughs> oh my gosh. I would love to bring it to Dallas. We're going to make that happen. Let's do, let's I, would do totally, it. Never, I will totally help you make it happen. I've never done it in Dallas. You know, my whole family's there. Texas is like, a big, has a big brown population, my friend. There is. Huge. I know. I don't know why it's never been there, but yeah. 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 You know, and I have to be honest, like ever since like then the pandemic happened and yeah. it's like I lost all of my jobs. And so I kind of really slowed down and then the film took over and I am kind of transitioning more into like writing for TV and I want to do more of that. So it's just my writing kind of has also been more of a focus lately. So right. I do. And I've kind of the show is like, OK, I've done it a few times as people know about it or whoever reached out to me or whatever. But yeah, I mean, I'm always still performing it, so I would love to. Let's do All it. Right, well, Dallas you got me as your agent here. You let me know when I you're ready. It. When you want, when you want to take a break from the Hollywood accent, come down to yeah. Texas. <laughs> <laughs> I will That's help awesome. you out. I also wanted to talk about Muslim Girls DTF dismantling Islamophobia one dick joke at a time. <laughs> I just, I just love the title. I'm like, I'm already set. I'm good to go. So I was checking it out today, this morning. I love the characters. I love the auntie advice. I was actually laughing the most. I don't know why. At the onion one, where it's like, how do you chop? How you how, how, how you learn how to chop vegetables from your mom? I yeah. literally do that shit. I I will chop yeah. a vegetable you in know? my fucking hand and in your hand, like in your hand, right? This is a real thing. So I never thought it was anything weird ever no, my whole no. life. And until I was doing it in front of like a white person. And they're like, what yeah. are you doing? Yeah. I was like, what? I'm just cutting an onion. They're like, yeah. what? Why don't you use a cutting board? Cutting I was like, board. oh. Yeah. I don't no. know. And I have my, <laughs> my husband is like, I'll get you nice cutting boards if you want. I'm like, it's not about that, homie. It's about yeah, me yeah. wanting like, to chop vegetables in my hand with a knife. <laughs> Let me just do it. You know what I'm saying? It's just so great. I don't even know. I get, I slow down so much when I'm doing it on a cutting board. I don't know how. I'm like, what am I doing? Like this. It feels so like, like, yeah. It feels too, I just, it doesn't feel indie, like brown enough for me. I'm like, no, I just need to do it this way. <laughs> I just love that video. I'm like, I'm dying. I'm like, that's so me. Um, but I love the page and I love everything it represents. How did you guys start that page? Yeah. So that um, came about. I was literally going in for an audition for a girl named Fatima. Okay. For a third time in a row, a girl named Fatima that takes off her hijab in God. the name of Western feminism. Of course. I was like, okay. And I got, I got, this was the third audition, literally in a row. And I was like, in a couple of weeks and a few months apart or whatever. So I, I, I messaged my manager and I was like, dude, I'm not going to. I'm not going to do this audition. Yeah. And then I realized the common thread, right? These characters are almost always written by white men who are not Muslim nope. <laughs> or women. Or women. Yeah. Or know anything so about kind their Kind of the two main categories that you need. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of. So then I was like, oh my gosh, they're always like writing this idea of what it is and what it should be. And it's never the actual lived experience of somebody who's actually done it. So I went to Twitter and I just like, kind of vented some frustration and I was like you know people who write 
female characters named Fatima who take over her job. Stop doing it. We know who you are. Something like that. And then all these women like started responding to it um, on Twitter. And I ended up realizing a, a bunch of the, us were in New York. So Athir Yaqub, who's a stand-up comic, Palestinian-American based okay. out of New York, um, her and I really connected and we were like, hey, let's get together. Um, and then uh, in that first sort of meeting we had, I think there was another Roxanne Zade, uh, who is a sketch-based uh, artist and writer um, and has since moved to Hollywood. The three of us met. I think that was the first meeting. And then we kind of expanded our network and then more people came. We were just like having these kind of meetings, just hanging out, whatever. And then one day we were like, I was like, guys, why don't we just make something? And we pitched like three or four different ideas. And mine was, I was like, if we get a diverse set of Muslim women in a room, I bet you if we ask them simple things like, hey, do you like chocolate? I bet you the answers would be so different. And I think the whole the world like sees us as this one thing only, always. Right. right? And they don't realize, and it goes for anyone. It because goes for Because your, your story is written by white men, that's why. Yeah, because it's written by white men and they just see us from the outside as this thing that is not actually the real thing it is, you know? So right. I was like, let's just show them the diversity. So we did the first thing we ever did, we launched on YouTube with no plan at all. In 2019, we were like, let's shoot, let's get eight women in a room, all different, different ethnicities, different whatever, just that they're Muslim and ask them like some basic questions okay. about what they like, if they date, who they date. And so I was like, and let's just release this on YouTube. So we did. And it just kind of took off. We got a lot of press around it. This post production house came on board based out of New York to finish our post on it. And then we were like, okay, let's, Athir and I then wrote a pilot that kind of got into this pitch incubator with um, Comedy Central and we won the pitch incubator. And then we're like, oh shit, now we have to make the pilot. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. So we kept like winning all these things. We won like a Roddenberry Impact Award for it. It was like cash grants. And then we won another cash grant to make the pilot. So we did it. And then, um, and then the pilot won a couple of awards. We took it and premiered a series fest last year. And then we got this other grant. It's called the Becoming America grant uh, with Pop Culture Club. So that grant was very specific. We were like, okay, we want to build out our social media presence. And that we just launched in January of this year. So what you're seeing online on Instagram and TikTok is stuff, content we're making specifically just for social media. The pilot, of course, looks very different. That's like a 20-minute thing with sketches and talking heads. Um, And this is just like content made just for social yeah, so that's kind of like that project that Athira and I started all those years ago now. It's been like five, six years. And uh, and it's been amazing, you know, and I'm like, well, let's get, and, and it's still interesting. It's been part of all these things and I still am not able to sell it because people are still like, oh, it's too specific. It's not specific enough. I'm like, let's get all this the feedback. The feedback, feedback. on I'm like, what? Who wants this? I, and then somebody's like, oh, I met with an exec from a company. And they were like, this is so great. It's amazing. You know, we're not really looking for something like this. But you know who is? Freebie. Go talk to Freebie. They're looking for this. And I'm like, well, how do I talk to Freebie? Like, I'm talking to you right now. <laughs> like, I don't know. I know. So it's always, yeah. I am feeling your pain with the feedback on what your your content, your direction, on niches, on audiences. And I think, and I'm sure you already know this because you know what you're doing, Uh I just I'm gonna do what I feel like is good, like what is good to me, what what make what I want to tell my story and the way I want to do it. Yeah, and look, and, and, and the think, right people will come. 
the, the, the right, right people, people will come. Um, yeah. and, and for me, that's so smart. It's such a good thing that you said that too. Yeah. Because if I just, like even with Dirty Packy Lingerie in the beginning, people are like, what's this? We don't know. It's a stand-up? It's not really a play and it's not really stand-up because it borrows from both and it's a mix of those things, But it doesn't right? have to be either or, right? But it doesn't have to be either. And they're like, we don't know where to put it until they did. Until a few years later, they were like, okay, now we know where to put it. And the same thing with American-ish. We were, we talked to, like tried to pitch it to every exec, every studio, every grant making place, rejected from every place. We were like, we'll just go make it ourselves. We did. And then it didn't get into any major festivals and during the, the beginning of the run, you know? Right. So we went to these niche, we world premiered at Cam Film Fest. And then we went to like Heartland and we went to, you know, Savannah and we went to like all the Asian festivals and the, the South Asian ones. And that those were the places that championed us. And, you know, in the end, yeah, great. We won like 26 awards. It was awesome. Yeah. And now we sold it to Sony, a major studio, right. but we, they didn't. They weren't the ones to fund it in the beginning. Right. So. I mean, you, you had to take your own journey to get there, right? You had to go through everything you went through to end up where you did. And that's what, I mean, that's what I totally believe about journeys. I'm like, I think there's no wrong turn. I think you just, as long as you, as long as you believe in what you are creating, I think, because the feedback and advice, it's great to get it, of course. But then I keep on going back to what feels right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what feels, what's the, what is the story I want to tell as a Pakistani American, as an Indian American? Like, what is it that we want to showcase? And yeah, I, fi I finally, after two and a half years, have started cutting out the noise a little bit more. And I'm like, I'm going to keep doing this no matter what happens. Yeah. Drink. We'll have a drink. <laughs> we'll have a drink later. Um, okay. So I want to talk about growing up. I know you mentioned you were, you were a microbiologist, which I love, and you were working at Google. Um, and then you're like, you know what? F it. I'm going to I'm gonna get into acting. So you went to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts and yes. then studied acting with Wynne Hanman. So yes. this, this switch, A, amazing that you did that. I'm always, I always say this to my guests. I'm always very jealous. And I shouldn't be because I just mentioned journeys are journeys. But I wish I had known in college or like what I really wanted to do. I didn't figure my yes. shit out to like, 38, 39, which is, it's never too late, but that's my, my other thing. But A, uh, as a, uh, a brown woman, um, were, was your family the typical Pakistani household? Were they strict, conservative? Did they freak out over this switch? And then did, where did you get, I don't want to say the balls, but you know, where'd you get the balls? The to, vagina. To the vagina. The vagina. The vagina. <laughs> yeah so um so okay so my parents are uh hilarious like i've totally seen them grow so much you know over the years and i'm really impressed with that because i didn't know if they had the capability of doing it yeah <laughs> but also i remember when i was 13 and i was in school and like ninth grade eighth grade whatever i was really into like drama at that time like whatever at my school I remember at one point, like, I think maybe I was like, maybe I was in ninth grade or 10th grade. And I told my dad, I was like, dad, I think I want to study theater in, in, in college. And he literally, he goes, only prostitutes and hookers. Lord. <laughs> he said that. 
So then I was like, okay, I guess I'm not gonna do that then. So you're like, so you're saying there's a chance. There's a chance you'll <laughs> fall into, I don't know, prostitution somehow. Right, you do obviously, it. So, obviously. Yeah, so I, I, um, yeah, no, I think in my household, it was always like, it was never like, um, I know a lot of Daisies are like, you have to be a doctor, that kind of thing. Of course. That was never my parents. Okay. They were just like, it was just kind of like just ingrained. It's like, oh, well, you can study either science or math. Right. That was it. Those were the two paths. I Cause that's, like. I mean, prostitutes yeah. usually don't do that. That's why. <laughs> maybe we don't know. I don't yeah, know. I'm, I'm just saying. Yeah. According, according, according to our parents, I'm just saying. According to yeah. our parents, they yes. don't. This is yes. right. Okay. This yeah. is right. Yes, yeah. absolutely. That's that should right. be your next play. Okay. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> prostitutes don't study science. Science or math. Yeah. According to our parents. Yeah. Um. So he, uh, yeah. So my dad, you know, was not, like whatever, but I, I was just, you know, also I think being a kid of child of immigrants, you're just like, I think I was really keenly aware of all the things that they had given up, right? right. And I was like, oh man, and I'm just like, I'm easygoing and I wanna like make things easy. So I was just like, okay, I guess I'll just go study science then that's fine. And I didn't know, honestly, it was like killing a part of yourself. Mm -hmm. I really did along and it was like such a, and everything I did in those paths, it just seemed so much harder. And I remember when I made the decision to switch it just felt like breathing. It was so oh. easy. And I was like, oh, this is what I was missing. Yeah. All these years, I didn't know I was missing this. So, yeah. That's amazing. That's no. So, I mean, I similar science, math. My brother became a doctor. So I was like, I guess I'll do that because I, I was never tuned into myself enough to know really what I wanted to do. And my parents weren't able to guide me because they didn't really know how to. No, our parents didn't know these things. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was slowly dying from math starting at the age of 14. Okay. Like I have had a nightmare about my math class, my geometry class, probably as early as la last week. Like I still have nightmares about failing geometry. And when I got to UT, I somehow took organic chemistry my freshman year and I don't even know if I passed. I can't even remember. My, par my parents were like, oh, maybe you can't do this. Like, I was like, yeah, you think? It's like what you just said. It was, it was like a part of me was just dead, just doing yeah. it, you know, just to do it. And so I'm so glad that you were able to make that switch. It's so huge. Yeah. I mean, I think in a way, it's just life leads you down this weird path, right? I think I ended up at Google. It was super creative there. And people were just like, Literally, like whatever the the ballroom dancing gold medalist was now also a lawyer, like at Google, you know, the person who had written like New York Times bestselling books was also in marketing. It was like crazy like that. It was right. really very creative uh, environment and people were always trying different things. And it wasn't until I got there that I was like, oh, all these people are taking these other alternative paths and they're just doing it for fun on the side and like maybe I can too. So right. it started off as like a for fun thing on the side. And what's really funny is like, I was always kind of doing it on the side, right? So when I started doing Dirty Packy Lingerie, that first performance, right before the first performance came, like that Sunday, the Wall Street Journal ran the feature and then NPR picked up the story on Monday for all things considered. And it just took off. We sold out that run and then it just took off, right? Uh, right before the first performance even happened. And I didn't tell my parents. So I did that. And it was like a while. It was a while of months went by. I didn't tell my parents I was doing any of this. And then I actually got a call from my dad one day. And he knew about it because he had seen it. Like some 
some one of my cousins on Facebook saw me a post about it and had told my dad about it. And so he knew I was doing it on the side. And by then, because there was like prestige attached to it, because he's an NPR junkie, right? And the Wall Street Journal. And he's just yeah. like, oh, okay. He's like, okay, okay. He's like, you can do this, but not with men. Don't ever act with men, only women. Fine. So- okay. Okay. Slow acceptance. Slow acceptance. That's good. <laughs> I know. That's so, amazing. But, you know, I think now they're pretty much on. Have they seen it? Have they seen the show? You know, they've never seen the show, but they did see the film. And they were my dad. My dad's also a writer and a poet. So he was so sweet. He was just like, that was really not a single faulty dialogue in that. That was excellent. Everything was really, that's the biggest compliment I'm ever going to get from him. It wasn't like, you're amazing. You did so well. It wasn't any of that. We love you. Never. Never. I know. I was like, no hugs needed. I don't. I don't need any kind of bad. Yeah, like, that's there fine. was no bad dialogue in that. That's like, that's like the compliment I get. That's pretty high up. It's desi, desi compliments. Yeah. yeah, 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 desi compliments. Exactly. So I wanted to really also rewind back a little bit before that. So growing up in Mississippi, I mean, I grew up in Texas, and there yeah, so you know. were enough desis here. How was Mississippi growing up as a brown woman, as Muslim? No one really my age, really. So I kind of just grew up a little bit in isolation. Um, It was a small college town. So it was weirdly progressive. It's where um, Mississippi State University is in Starkville. Okay. So it was progressive, but it is in Mississippi. So then it wasn't. (laughs) I get that. It was very diverse. I remember at one point, the largest population of students we had of other ethnic backgrounds was Indian. And at one point, I think we had like over maybe like 200 Indian students, staff, faculty, people. But there were also like uh, people from Sudan and Saudi Arabia and Pakistan and Bangladesh and wherever, because it was this college town and they're known for engineering and agriculture. So people from these other places would come to study master's, PhD students. And sometimes they would have kids, but like always much younger than me. The brown community was really non-existent, like my age. Like it it existed, but they were in college when I was like, you know, whatever, much yeah. So then I'm curious because, you know, not having the brown community around you, and I'm not sure how religious you guys are. What was your relationship to your culture then? Were you proud of it? Were you like, oh my God, this is so embarrassing? What was it then? And, and then did it ever, when did it shift? No, I mean, sure, of course, it was like, ah, oh, what is this? I don't yeah. want to be this. I yeah. just want to be like someone else, which in my world was super white and blonde. Yeah. No, because there's also a major divide between the white and black situation in Starkville at at that point. And then it was like I was almost more acceptable for white people than I was for black people. So, you know, so there was all of that. So my friends were primarily very white. Yep. um, Southern Mississippians. And, you know, yeah. And so I feel like in some way also, like, I'm sure my brown parents were also okay with that. Right. Because yeah. as we know, there is a lot of racism in right. our of own against black people, as we know. So, yeah. So all of that. Um, I, yeah. I mean, I um, wanted to blend in. And then it wasn't until I mean, it wasn't until I think I moved to New York. Okay. And of course, now we are. We are way post 9-11 and it is very progressive and it is okay to be Muslim in the very progressive circles I'm in. You know what I mean? Totally. So, 
Yeah, and, and it's not to say that, like, growing up, my friends knew I was Muslim. There was no real, like, there was no, like, backlash. And it's interesting, a small community. They knew. Everybody was cool. I remember I used to, right. I used to fast. I used to be, like, really religious about Ramadan and fasting. Okay. And when I was very young, even when I wasn't allowed to, like, at the age of nine, I wasn't even allowed to. And I would just, like, like trick my parents and, like, n- throw away my lunch at school and, like, fast. Because I wow. wanted to be, like, kids. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Time. So when I was a teenager, I remember I would like spend the night with my uh, girlfriend, uh, super white, you know, church going parents or whatever. And her mom would wake me up at like 5 a.m. She'd be like, Isa, you need to eat and you need to like pray or whatever. Like, go do it. So she was so, so sweet. Aww. So I kind of, there's this really sweet, I kind of grew up that way too. Okay. Yeah, not really hiding. Nobody was like, Muslims are terrible. Don't do right. it. It wasn't that me. I was like, I just want to be like everyone else here, you know, right. like dating boyfriends and all of that stuff that I was couldn't have. Yeah. Yeah. So just definitely trying a lot to blend in as a kid. And of then course. just as an adult, like, you know, just, just kind of realizing, I, I think it was the climate too. It was right. like, I was like, if people like me now don't stand up and say we're Muslim, mm-hmm. then the only image of Muslims we ever see is like the dude with the beard and a right? sword. Going, Allahu Akbar. Like I'm right. like, okay, well, I don't yeah. even know that person. Yeah, who is yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, that's not my brother. What are you talking about? Yeah, who is that? And now it's, it's interesting. Yeah, now you're you are as an adult out there out loud telling the the Muslim story. Uh, the real yeah, that shifted. You know, that shifted because I just felt like I guess I just felt like no one was doing it. And I right. realized I was like, unless I do it in a really in not- a really real oh. way. Like in a, in in a, a way really that people way. can actually relate to, right? Well, so the first year, the first year I performed Dirty Peggy Lounge in 2011, that was the first year in the history of that particular festival that a Muslim show was being done ever. That's crazy. And so, much, so, so crazy. That was 2011. And for the next five years after that, I did so many firsts. Yeah. Like it was, this was the first. People were like, I'm like, what? Why do you like think a, so? Do you think people, your community, was were people just too scared, you think? No, I don't know. But there just weren't people in the arts. I know, arts, like, right. I do. And also, like, that may also be a bit of a faulty headline because there is an actress. Her name is Bina Sharif. Okay. I don't know if she's Indian or if she's Pakistani. I'm not okay. sure. But she's Muslim. She's been in New York since the 70s making art. Okay. So, theater, theater. But like I don't know. I don't I don't She's probably like always she's she sounds like an OG, but she probably didn't have the opportunity to to have the platform, right? To have a platform. That's it, because right. she was the first and she probably kind of blended in. I don't know what. Right. I don't know all the history of her stuff, right? But I've met yeah. her and I know she's been here forever and ever. So at least I know of one. So I think like there saying people, I was yeah. It's a little bit inaccurate. It's not 100%. But I guess for that festival in their 20-year history, I was the first. Right. So that's well, not inaccurate. A lot of it is talent. I mean, of course, it's talent. You're obviously talented. But it's also the right time, right? The right time, right place. It was the right time. It right. was the right. So we did, in, in 2011, we also did, like, uh, shows for the 10-year anniversary of 9-11. We did, Amazing. like, the... Yeah, we did these like panels where we had people come in and kind of the um, Judeo-Christian religions and like have panels on that. We had like political panels. We had so we did a lot of that kind of work, too. And I it just felt like the right time. And and I don't know, I think maybe the world was kind of craving it a little bit, too. Yeah, don't, definitely wanted the content. Yeah, yeah. that's amazing. Um, well, kudos to your dad for that amazing compliment. Tell uncle I said hi. I, I love I love dad compliments are the best. He sounds exactly like my dad. Okay, we're gonna do a fast round. So first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. What personality traits are you most proud of? 
I think resilience. Like I just keep going. It's like, yeah. shut the fuck up, bitch. Come yeah. on, be knocked down three times. That's me. Give it up already. I just I keep always, going. I always tell everyone, I'm like, I'm not the smartest, but I'm the most persistent. Just be persistent. There, just show up. Any, I'm never scared of a no. I'm like, go ahead, say no. I'll come back. I'll come back again. It's okay. I love, I love that. it. Describe Muslim women in a few words, a few adjectives. Ooh, um, funny. I always say this funny, flawed and human. That's definitely my thing. <laughs> like, I, this is how I see that. I'm like, why don't I see Muslim women being portrayed that way ever? I need to show that. That needs to be a t-shirt. Oh, funny, flawed, human. So I many ideas, that. so many plays. <laughs> what is your biggest pet peeve? My biggest pet peeve in, oh, you know what, in, in life? Okay, it's like, I'm a germaphobe, let's be honest. I hate it when people touch my things and I don't know that, because I don't know, they have booger hands. Yeah, booger I don't hands. Know and Let me just tell you, girlfriend, I got norovirus from someone ulting on the plane just like yesterday. So homegirl's with you here. I'm like, dude, can we not touch each other anymore? It's fine. Yeah, don't, don't. Yeah. yeah. No, I was just flying and this dude like thought, we went through the little uh, security and checkpoint yeah. and then he thought my laptop was his laptop and he picked it up nope. and he opened it. Nope. I was like, ah! I was yeah. like, don't touch my shit! You definitely yeah. got Ebola from that. Like that. I think no. I did. That's yeah. what I have right yeah, like, that's why you're sick right now because of that dude for sure. <laughs> <pull> up my <laughs> laptop. Well, I don't know if you have kids. I have two, and so I'm constantly just spraying them with like fantastic. I'm like, dude, Lysol. just Lysol. It's fine. Yeah. A little bit of Lysol doesn't hurt a kid. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We're all fantastic. It's all healthy. A little cheesy, but I like cheesy podcast questions. What is the impact you want to have on your community? I want them to, I want to change hearts and minds and I want to move souls and I want them to start having real conversations because I never did. We never did when we were young. We never had, literally, we watched sports and news. And if yeah. there was ever like an Indian movie and anything that risque came on, like the channel was switched. <laughs> and that shit was risque. There's some risque shit in the 80s and 90s. Oh, it's like much worse than anything in American films, right? Of, of like a certain era. I was like, 90s. why are all these chicks wet all the time in the rain? Like what's happening? It's like, like a symbol for you know what, you know. Oh, yeah. I, oh I know, know now. Back then it's I was like. like oh. fantasy is so messed up. It's so jacked up. I've already, and by the way, I need to do another podcast on this. Like I've already decided I had watched Bollywood so much growing up. I think it jacked me up a little bit about women's roles. It really did. Because <laughs> I was obsessed with like the 90s, Madhuri, Neelam, and, and all those people. But if you look back at all their roles, it, no bueno, dude. No bueno. No, no. bueno, you know? <laughs> like, they look very hot, right? They look great. But like, I think cycle, if I think now, this, this, by the way, this podcast is a therapy session for me, like doing this whole podcast. Um, and the more I talk about to guests about things, I'm like, oh, wow, I think I'm messed up because of that. I think it's uh, those roles. If you, you know, there's the film I love that we all love. It's like DDLJ, right? We all grew up with that. Sh I mean, I grew up with an insane amount of Bollywood, first of all. Yeah, like, to same. the point where, like, like you know what I mean? It's like, dumb. it's dumb. It's yeah. dumb. It's fucking stupid. Yeah. So, like, as an adult, I'm walking, I'm like, why aren't people singing and dancing in the ring? Yeah. Why, why isn't that happening in my yeah. Like, to that point, you know? I know. But, so, like, DDLJ, like, let's look at that. I loved that film. It defined me as a human being, you know? Yeah, like, literally. Yeah. Watching it, right? So, I figured out how to, like, eat and breathe. Yeah, but, yeah. like, when then they look at the Raj, he's a jerk. Like, it's he all terrible. He's lying all the time. I'm like, what is happening? 
happening. She's actually a decent human being and he totally manipulates her into. So then I'm like, but then it teaches us, oh, go like the bad boy. Yeah. Go like, like the let, let him treat you however. Yeah. It's fine. And then whatever he says goes and just follow him. And it's goes fine. and then follow him and then he'll change. And see, see how Rod changed and he became a better person. And I mean, in the end, he didn't want her to leave her family. I mean, his, just, you know, in real life, they never change. But Raj, boyfriend needed his hair the whole time. I was like, fucking your hair is terrible right now. I can't handle this. Anyways. So yeah. So anyways, I, we we got we have to do a panel on this some, somewhere someday on Bollywood and how it's affected us because it's changing now. Yes. It's changing now. But there are some it's issues, changing. man. Slowly. There are issues. Slowly. But, yeah. Slowly. Who would be your ultimate collaboration for this year? Anyone? Oh my gosh. I want to work with the oh man. Okay, so this is really cheesy. Maybe it'll happen if I say it. Say it. <laughs> it's like who do I really admire as an actor? Like from, you know, like if I'm just thinking about it like our like diaspora, it would be Riz Ahmed. I think he's really brilliant. That would be. Yeah. I just got chills because that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. He's just a really good actor. He's very smart. Um Yeah. He seems like a, like a real actor. Not that no one else, not that anyone else doesn't, but he just. He takes it seriously. I think there's a lot of this, you know, people are like, maybe I'll act. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. And people do. a lot of amazing actors out there who just kind of play the same thing again and again. And I feel like to me, that's not like really acting. For me, it's like, how do you transform yourself as a, into these characters? I feel like that's like the craft of it. Yeah. And he does that. And I admire it. He's a transformer. He is. He's really good at it. Yeah. I think it's gonna happen. All right, I'm gonna right. we're gonna I'm gonna come back on the podcast when that happens. If it happens, no, if it happens, I'm coming to your premiere because I gotta dress up, girl. Because it's been I'm wearing my nighty right now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> All right, last question. Okay. Theater, film, or TV? Look, I do all of them, and it's like I love theater so much. It's like the only real, real thing as an actor, and then I think as a writer, right now for me, TV. Yeah, that's where I am. Yeah. The creative space it gives you, what is it about it? You know, it's like uh, TV is the writer's medium. So, uh, yeah, and, and it's like um, theater, I would say, is the actor's medium in a lot of ways. Because, you know, the, the the writer writes it, gives it to the director. The director then gives it to the actor. The actor gives it to the audience. And I love that relationship, the audience, actor, live right. theater. I love that. And then I think as I'm wanting to tell more stories, um, that I haven't seen before from like our parts of the world, right? right. Those those characters. I, I think the way to tell them and to reach the masses and to make a real impact is it's not even film really, it's really TV. Awesome. Yeah. Girl, you are doing the thing. So a few things, you're gonna come to Dallas. We're gonna do, you're gonna do your play here. Done. We're gonna talk about some other play ideas throughout, cause we thought yes. about four or yeah. five throughout this. There's so much, there's so much out there, so much content. <laughs> And then um, I'm going to be in New York soon. So let's hang. Let's get a drink. Oh, I would love that. Yes. yes. And you're going to come to the premiere with me and Riz, whatever that oh, thing yeah, is. Yeah, that's that you. Okay, I'll totally, I'll, I'll keep my calendar free for that. It's all going to work out. Perfect. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you, you never know. So much fun. Guys, I think I am ready to write my own one-woman comedy play. I think it'll be a hit. You guys would come, right? I mean, I guess this part of the podcast is kind of my own one-woman comedy play. 
because I still think I'm funny and I'm talking to myself. Is anyone out there? Okay, guys, please follow Aiza on social media at Aiza Fatima to learn when you can check out her new film, Americanish. As always, you can follow me at Tucker.podcast, TuckeredOutWithEmmy.com. You guys know the rest. Thank you guys for listening. This is Tuckered Out.